All right, welcome everybody to our Bible study on the book of Acts. We're calling it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the work that the Holy Spirit did in the very first century, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are in chapter 17, Yep, Paul's second missionary journey. And he's moving on to the next city. He's going across uh, Greece. Um, I forget the name of the road that it was called. Uh, oh, the uh, Ignatian Way mm. uh, that took... Uh, one end of Greece all the way over to, to the other, east to west. So he's just going city to city. They're all about one day's journey apart from each other. And he's headed to Thessalonica. Uh, verse, seven, uh, verse 1, chapter 17. When they had passed through Amphopolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. So there must have been at least 10 Jewish men there. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he, re he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rose from the dead, and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. He said, uh, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and not and not a few prominent women. So I guess many prominent women. Yeah, it's weird how it's worded there. Yeah, uh, but the Jews were jealous because they were attracting these people, right? So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started to riot in the city. Oh. <laughs> Rioting in the city is not a new political tactic, apparently. Uh, they rushed to Jason's house, and we're kind of curious where this guy comes from, Jason, uh, in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, uh, they dragged Jason and some other brothers, in other words, believers, when they mm. use the word brothers, uh, believers in Jesus, uh, before the city officials, shouting... <laughs> These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They were all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. All right, well, Thessalonica is uh, the capital of this area of Macedonia. Mm -hmm. Remember, Paul had that really cool vision of the man of Macedonia. Yeah, that's right, calling him. Share the gospel Jesus with us. With us. Yep. And so now Paul's made it all the way to the very capital city of the region, uh, Thessalonica uh, in Greece. You see Paul's routine, like he, he does every city he goes to. First he goes to the synagogue, right? These are the... These are the folks who know the scriptures. And it says it right, that's as it was his custom, you know, something yeah. that he regularly does. Right, so he'd go to the Jewish people and for three weeks, right? Three yeah, the Saturdays? three Sabbaths it mentions there, right? It kind of gives you a little clue. It's not just these three random days, but it's broken up, right? One week, two weeks, three weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uses the scriptures. Uh, the people at that time, and we remember when Jesus uh, was walking the earth in his ministry, right? We know that so many people had come to believe that the Messiah was going to be uh, establish this physical kingdom, right? mm -hmm. overthrow the Roman rulers, be a king here on the earth, uh, kind of be a conqueror in that sense. And Paul uses the scriptures to say, no, like Isaiah 55, the suffering servant 
No, the Messiah is prophesied. He's going to die for our sins. And then he must rise from the dead. This is all part of prophecy and fulfillment, knowing who the Messiah is. And he says, hey, guess what? We all saw this happen. Yeah. In our midst. It was Jesus of Nazareth that was this that fulfilled these prophecies. Well, it's like this proof text, right? He uses that as his evidence to be able to share who Christ is. And shouldn't it be the same for us today, too, that we are able to use uh, the Bible as being just that exact same thing for you and I, this uh, evidence uh, for yeah. people to know who Jesus is. But even... Uh, you know, people might say, well, you know, people don't, won't believe that, you know, people say, oh, I don't believe in the Bible. Uh, the funny thing is, like, even in this time, these guys did know the scriptures, but look what still happens mm -hmm. to Paul. They, they still sure. get upset, right? And so not a reason for us to hold back. And that's what happens. This is, but, you know, the Jews actually get jealous. And I think that's such an important characteristic for us to be able to hit. Again, that concept of jealousy is just it's so horrible in us as humans it causes us to do such bad things because what do we do well we put ourselves first it's we always are putting ourselves first in this case above others and above god at times mm -hmm. too that we become so jealous and then so selfish that we just make irrational moves and like you mentioned in here they form this mob and they begin to riot in the city they have nothing else to do and so since they don't have that peace of Christ, they lash out. That's exactly what they do. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. You want to take the next one, Berea? Yeah. Verse, Verse 10. 10. It says, As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Same thing. Now, when the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, uh, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I love that. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, uh, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So we've got these two stops on the mission journey, right, mm -hmm. next to each other, Thessalonica, then on to Berea. And one of the things I noticed, Rita, was just kind of the difference in the response to the gospel that Paul and Silas, well, the, the missionaries, if you will, got from the people seems like in Thessalonica, not too many people believe. Some did, but it sounds like most of the people kind of pushed back and actually, you know, arrested them. Whereas in Berea, it felt like many of the Jews believed. And their attitude, right? It talks about that eagerness. Mm -hmm. But I love, it's not just these pushovers, right? It wasn't this easy sell to the individuals. Uh, these people aren't, they're not uh, any less intelligent that the people in the prior city it says that they actually take the time to be able to examine the scriptures right every day to make sure they're saying what paul actually says is true mm -hmm. and isn't that good for our people too right when you hear something yeah. in a sermon that you think 
oh, I didn't know about that, or that doesn't sound right to me, or in a Bible study with that's in our congregation or another congregation, take some time to be able to look into that, you know, mm-hmm. and then ask us questions or ask other people questions or look at different commentary and say, why is that, you know? Because again, if the Bible is our proof text, let's go back to that for our evidence, if you will, and be able to believe what that says, not just what uh, men are portraying. Yeah, absolutely. Read the read the scripture for yourself and then ask ask your pastor, uh, what did you mean by that? Or clarify that. Or, I've never heard that before. That's interesting. I mean, we do get pretty fairly often oh, yeah. questions about the sermon or about yeah. the study. And that's great. That's what we want to do. We want to Iron sharpens iron. Uh, yeah, one man sharpens another. That's how we learn. Absolutely. Uh, oh, another note in this section, right? Uh, we mentioned Jason. I meant to come back to him. Back oh, yeah. In Thessalonica. So he's living in Thessalonica. He probably, he's a new believer in Jesus. And then, I mean, like, right away, he gets persecuted. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's pretty quick. One thing, when you think about the disciples who spent years with Jesus and... Uh, but now God's allowing this persecution to hit a new believer, which you would worry about. Yeah. Ooh, is he going to be able to withstand? Hold on to that. Yeah. Faith. Well, it seems that he's harboring Paul, right? That Paul's probably staying at his house, and so they come after him uh, even mm-hmm. more. And, you know, this is an individual that has a gift of hospitality. I never think of that name, Jason, of being a biblical name. Yeah, you're right. I, I, for, I literally forget about it until yeah. I hear this section again. I hear the name Jason. I think of Jason's Deli here in Arizona or something <laughs> like that. I forget about that. So anybody out there with the name Jason, there it is. You're mentioned in, yeah, you're in Scripture. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Faithful to persecution mm. with, a, with a very new, young kind of faith, right? Yeah, uh, that was interesting. Yeah, and then just, again, just kind of the the different response to the faith. And you got, if you use Paul as the lead, right, missionary, he's just out there, that whole parable of the sower, man. He's just sharing yeah. the gospel everywhere he goes, yeah. as far as he can go, as many people as he can go. Sometimes it sprouts up this big crop. Sometimes a couple of get a couple of fruits or something, and everybody else is, you know, revolting or pushing back against you. But it's all in God's hands, the, mm-hmm. result, the results. Well, because we never even see what happens after that, right? Who knows what happens in those little towns or who those people end up telling or how it gets passed down from generation to generation. Yep. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, now we're going to move to the big city. Oh, and this is the best big, part of the story, I think, for the me. The capital. Yeah, this is the best part of the story for me. Going to head to Athens. Let's see. I don't know exactly where I'll break it's it up. Through 16, we'll wherever you want to go. It's up to you. All right. So while Paul's waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And you think about the all of the Greek gods oh. and goddesses. and Right. Uh, so this is where I, I mean, this is a great verse. We use this a lot, I think. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the God-fearing Greeks. And the, they would call them proselytes, uh, Gentiles who became Jewish believers. Um Obviously, they were at the synagogue worshiping, as well as in the marketplace day by day. In other words, every day, uh, he's in the marketplace with those who happen to be there. And a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him, wanted to argue with him. Mm-hmm. Epicurean uh, philosophers, the Epicurean. Well, first of all, let's just say Paul is in Athens. Uh, and it was maybe 500 years earlier where Athens was, I mean, the center of the world for medicine, philosophy, you know, history, education, medicine. Um, 
And it's still, obviously, all those Paul's remnants day, are still there, yeah. Highly regarded, but still, especially when it comes to philosophy yep. and religion, it's tied in there, in their minds anyway, with philosophy. Uh, so the Epicureans were, uh, you may help me remember, the Epicureans were the ones who uh, focused on kind of your being happy. Like the goal in life. It's a good way to put it. Is to be happy. Yeah. And so they chased after their own really desire. And actually, by Paul's day, you know, I think maybe back, you know, 100 years earlier, there was probably some, I don't know, some something to look up to maybe in this philosophy. But by this time, it had really degenerated into a, a sensual, you know, just the whole meaning of life is just to be happy. Just chase after your sensual desires, yeah. your physical uh, desires, which, you know, we know. Obviously, there's uh, there's really no satisfaction. There's no peace in, in that kind of lifestyle. Uh, the Stoics, you would think somebody who's very Stoic, right? We use that <laughs> word still today, uh, right? It's pretty much the opposite, right? They wanted to... Uh, what's Push back on... Yeah, subdue get rid of the physical desires. Yeah. The, the whole goal in life was to kind of rise above that. Yeah. And I think there was a lot, again, originally to look up to in Stoic philosophy, but by Paul's day, it was really all about pride. Yeah. They were very much like Let Pharisees. Let me show you what I can do. Look how, yeah. they didn't use the word holy, but, you know, yeah. look how holy I am. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't ever have sex. I don't ever drink beer. I don't ever That's have funny. any fun at, I don't I was dance. thinking about that when somebody says something about TV and somebody says, oh, I don't watch that much TV, you know. I, right. I, it's not really good for me. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's that prideful. Yeah. <laughs> it is. There's a lot to that. So Paul, he's out there in the marketplace. He's telling them about this God who was uh, sent and a savior and rose him from the dead. All right. So anyway, these philosophers are arguing with him. Uh, some of them asked him, uh, what is this babbler trying to say? And I think there's a lot probably in that word babbler, that Greek word. Uh, they're in Greece, obviously. Um it's almost like this bird who's picking seed, or uh, they're trying to pick they're, different. They're trying to random teaching. Yeah, I they're guess. trying to mess with. They're calling him a name. Yeah, yeah. they're really trying to put him down immediately. Yeah, right, trying to put sure. him down for sure. And then they say he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Boy, we've talked about this, right? What was the message of the early church? Broken record, man. Yep. Jesus resurrection. Jesus resurrection. Jesus resurrection. This is it. There's, that's the they're laser focused on the most important thing. All right, verse nineteen. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. And uh, Areopagus this was the mountain of Ares. Maybe that's my translation. Uh, Ares was the Greek god of war, similar to the Roman god of Mars, mm -hmm. right? the god of war. And this is where they would have their big philosophical debates and discussions yeah uh, this was a famous so as I, I would in my mind it's a kind of an honor that they would bring in this babbler this outsider this jew up to kind of their mountain of uh philosophy well it seems like deep down they know that he's he's, he's gaining smart. people yeah there's something here I, I think i think his wisdom like he's an educated man yeah and he'll prove that in his speech here in a second yeah but uh so yeah, I think they were. But like they want to they want to break him down maybe a little bit too. But there is the interest that's there at the same right. time. I think he, I, I think uh, for the fun that they made of him, I think they did recognize I, maybe he was a worthy 
debate opponent. Yeah, and so maybe that like, jealousy aspect is sitting there a little bit, and that's why they say the way they speak toward him the way that they do. Who yeah. knows? So anyway, it's a, I'd say I'd say it's an honor, like to be invited in as an outsider. Um, so the Arapagus, where they said to him, "May we know what this new teaching is that you are pre- presenting? Right? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean." And then kind of this parenthetical thought, right? All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. (laughs) So they have itching ears they want to hear. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of, excuse me, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown god. I mean, that's pretty funny, right? You think all the Greek gods and goddesses. It, it just in case, of, right? Yep. Even if we have 382 God gods, what if I missed number 383, and this is the one that was the most powerful, or this is the one that tells the other gods right. about something I didn't do to worship him. So just in case, it's like their fallback insurance plan, right? right. The, this uh, this altar. Overall. Yeah. So... Uh, Paul says, now, this is a great move he makes, right? Now, what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. So he's like, he, he just totally uses their own worldview, their yeah. own culture yeah. to connect to them and to say, okay, you know what? I admire your religious fervor and this God that you say you don't know, this is the one I'm going to tell you about. There's a compliment that's there, right? I yeah. see that you are very religious. You know, he doesn't jump on them and be like, what the heck are you guys doing this with all these idols? This is this is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. He actually finds and gives them a compliment in one that is legitimate, right? Mm-hmm. He's not lying. He's not making something up to boost their egos. However, he is choosing something it provides this opportunity to open the door. And once he does that, he actually takes something that is known both to them and that he has found, and he opens up this opportunity to share the gospel. And this is the biggest challenge, I think, for all of us, mm-hmm. you know, in our daily living with people. What is that door that God provides of something that may not even be in our minds from God himself. Maybe we right. think of like, oh God, you know, open this door to share this message with so-and-so And we want this them week to ask about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. By name. You have to come to me and make it super smooth. No, it what are the other opportunities? Yeah. Kind of touch point. It can be a connection. And it can literally be anything. Mm-hmm. It, it can be anything. The silliest thing in the world that brings us together as humans, that God allows for us to have those relationships where the door is open to share right. about him. You just got to look for those things. Exactly. This is a silly... Martin Luther might have said... I don't think he ever said this, but he might have said, oh, you like beer. Let me tell you about the God who made beer. <laughs> I do want to hear about this, Pastor Mark. (laughs) The God who loves his people, his creatures so much, he gave ways for pleasure and enjoyment. (laughs) He has provided us with wheat and barley. That's funny. That's that's not far off. There's a door to open up there, yep. Okay, do you want to take it? Yeah, verse 24. The God who made the world, this is Paul obviously talking now about this unknown God. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands uh, and is not served by uh, human hands 
as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. All right, let's just, let's just break down. Let's just break down the speech a couple verses at a time, right? So he talk, I agree. He kind of introduces his concern. He talks about the idols that he saw, uh, but again, he uses that as a great kind of common ground to kind of like you say, open that door. And then he talks about, okay, you know this God that has created everything. Why would you, isn't it silly to think that he would live in one of these temples? Yeah. Like, Why are you he, carrying around God in this box? Mm-hmm. The, this, these all-powerful idols? You don't know he's, the, he's inside there? Like, that's the God? Yeah, and they did have these temples, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, famous one, I can't even speak. There's one in Nashville. What's it called? I don't know. You're in the one from that Air part of the country. Is the mountain. Acropolis. Oh, okay. Acropolis. Whatever. But they had tons of them. He's saying it's so silly. Like, you think you're going to build a house for God. Yeah. Well, the, the real God built our house. Like, built yeah. this earth for us. And you're making these and little gonna, idols out of stone. And yeah, like, you're going to serve him. You, he doesn't need anything from you. Yeah, human hands. He's not served by you. All right, sorry. Verse what, 26? That's fine. 26. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole uh, earth and determine the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, uh, though he is not not far from each one of us. I mean, how good that is too, right? Again, he's not discounting them in every in any way. But he's saying, so guys, you know, I know that you've made these, you put these together, but this isn't the God that we worship. Let me, again, really tell you about this. God does this so that men would seek and perhaps reach out and find him. And like, it's not far. Yeah, and you guys, you are, have to reach you guys are trying to You're do really this. Close. Again, here's all these idols. Right. You're trying to be able to do this, but it's not hard. And people need to hear that message, again, still we, today. Right? I think we think it, we still talk about that today. I think we talk about the evidence of God. Yeah. Like if you look at nature, if you look at the stars, if you look at a microscope, yeah. you know, DNA and the cells just blows our mind. It's like... Wow! Yeah. Somebody designed all this, yeah. and God left this, you know, impression, this imprint uh, of His creation. All right, and uh, some of the famous words that we get from the Book of Acts: "For in Him we live and move and have our being," mm-hmm. as some of your own poets have said. And again, He throws it back to them, right, guys? Remember this: Urius, we are His offspring. Therefore, right. since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Man, this is a really big uh, theological point Paul's making. So, Jesus is the revelation of God. God, our creator, perfectly revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Who is God? He is, he is the creator of everything, but who loves us so much he sacrifices himself yeah. for us. So we've got this, we talk about general revelation. Like you look at the stars, you have this kind of understanding God is all powerful. But up until then, for millennia, right, until Jesus lived, died, and rose, right, it was so many people just had kind of this cloudy picture of God. Mm. Oh, he's powerful, you know. Uh, but now Paul's saying, but from now on, right, God commanded every people everywhere, everywhere, right, everywhere uh, to repent. It's like God is now crystal clear, like revealing himself and his will for all people. And well, why it's so important, right, to share the gospel. 
And it's interesting. He even says, you know, I know you've kind of been, you haven't understood this until now. And God knows that you have been seeking. And this is why, you know, Christ comes to be able to show, you know, this is God, like you said, in the in the flesh. Mm -hmm. It's not this gold or silver, but it's truly something that is just like us so that God can tell you, I know what that's like. I know what this is like. Mm -hmm. All right, so verse 31. Uh, For he has set a day when he will judge the world uh, with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Aragopolis, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. Yeah, so one of the big points of the gospel, one of the biggest, and even still today, I think people, not everybody really goes, wow. But so even the Greeks and their philosophy slash religion, right, they, they did kind of believe in this kind of eternity of the soul. Hmm. But this idea that he proved this to all men by raising him from the dead, like the resurrection of the body, is, they would have been like, what? Yeah. And they even said they heard this about the resurrection of the dead, right? Verse 32, some of them sneered, right? Like, this is, no, what? No, it doesn't make A body yeah. doesn't come back. A body's dead. It decays. Uh, they just sneered. But others said, well, we want to hear, uh, we want to hear you again on this subject. Uh, like, so even they were, even the ones who didn't yeah. dismiss it right away. Where's part two? We're like, oh, okay, tell me more about this. I don't know. And I guess that is easier in our mind, right, to think of something uh, of spirit being able to, to live forever, but thinking about it transferring the other way of this body, it doesn't seem to make, it doesn't seem to make sense for us you know it's it's harder to think about it going in that direction but uh and again it's what what truly happens and look at the effect right uh they want to hear more and even at this this is a few men became followers of paul and believed and mentioned some of these individuals by name and same thing with some of these women and who knows again what the effect of they had on people around them, you know, being able to share uh, different things. I think some of these individuals are named later on or have at least concepts of them being able to go on and share the yeah. gospel with people. I don't know. My favorite part still is that to the unknown God, just a huge challenge, I think, for all of us mm -hmm. uh, to be able to take things around us and be able to say, how am I going to share the Lord yeah. through every just everyday means? It doesn't have to be something special or miraculous and truly all those things are special and miraculous mm -hmm. because the lord uses them to be able to press faith down upon others around us uh, yeah well and i like the verse a little earlier right when he said paul reasoned with them yeah i think lutherans rightly emphasize that we and we say this what in the explanation of the third article i cannot by my own reason yep. or strength believe in jesus or come to him mm -hmm. to be saved right the salvation is a gift of god <clears throat> But unfortunately, I think, in my own observation, uh, our Lutheran folks, churches, people, Lutherans, pretty much just chop down reason completely and say, well, you can't reason with other people about your faith. Like, you don't need to argue, you don't need to do apologetic, or maybe even don't even need to witness, uh, because it's the Holy Spirit that it's not going to be the <laughs> yeah, reason. Yeah. Uh, but Paul reasoned with them, and I think, I think what people forget is that 
in the explanation of the first article yeah. of the creed, Martin Luther says, God has created me in all things, my reason and all my senses. Yep. Reason, our rational brain, our the, whatever how you want to think, logical thinking, our reason is a gift from God. Yep. All we're saying in the third article is that it's limited. Like we can't think our way into believing in Jesus or comprehending the resurrection of the dead, yeah. like that. Yeah. That's beyond what we can reasonably understand. Or the Trinity, right? It has limits, but it's still a good gift. Paul used it to reason with other people. To you know, they're using their reason to think about Stoic philosophy or whatever their worldview is, right? And he touches in on that, uh, meets them like you know where they are, the unknown God, and and says, okay. You're right. There's something to that, right? There is something bigger mm-hmm. than just mm-hmm. the God of war mm-hmm. or a God of whatever. And let me tell you about this God who created everything. And doesn't it make sense that the God, like the God of gods, if you you don't have to build a temple for him. He's the one that made yeah. the temple for us. You don't have to serve him. He's the one that provides us with bread and beer. This is reason. He's using reason in such a great way. I... I I'm envious. I, you know, I wish I could, you know, do that better and more often, because I think that is, it's such a, uh, seems such a uh, fruitful way of sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus. Well, people like people like story, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, they they love being able to be involved in something. It's how God shares his good news with us, and it's how we can share the good news with people around us too. Not a fictitious fairy tale or mm-hmm. something that is made up but what story has you know god truly given you as an individual or experiences that you have or the people around you yeah. in which you can reach out during those times so maybe we wrap up with that today is our big challenge of being able to see in the church of the first century and the church of the 21st century how people around us, even though they may uh, still push back on the gospel message, there are many out there that are eager to be able to hear and hopefully ask that question. Uh, I want to hear more about this. Tell yeah. me tell me more. Were there a few people respond, like Thessalonica, or a bunch, or many it says, in Berea? Doesn't matter. It's in God's hands. Every, every time the sinner confesses, right, we have the angels in heaven can, uh, being able to Rejoice. sing out in joy. So. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, with that, let's say a a prayer to wrap up our time together. Uh, Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, uh, may we just come to you today and just thank you for this this word and this story for the individual that you created in Paul and, Lord, for the individuals that you have created in us uh, to be able to be your disciples here uh, as members of your church to go out into the world and to share with people about the story of Christ and that great gospel news you have given to us. Uh, We boldly come to you today, Lord, and ask for you to put in our lives, uh, people around us that we are able to serve and to share this super news with uh, that you have provided in Jesus. All these things we do lift in his holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless. See you later.